All right, and welcome back to FYI, the For Your Institution podcast powered by Mongoose. I am your host, Gil Rogers, and today I am excited to be joined by a colleague that I've known. I was trying to do the math and the number was getting too big, so I stopped counting. <laughs> known for a number of years, Director of Enrollment Success mm-hmm. at Enroll ML, Tej Mateel. Tej, welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh, Gil. It is so great to be here and to be doing a podcast interview without my own scripts that I have to follow. I'm so used to being on the other side, so I'm just freewheeling and ready to go. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, welcome. And that's a good segue to start. I'd love for you to share a little bit about. So in addition to his role as Director of Enrollment Success at Enroll ML, Tej is also the co-host of the Admissions Director's Lunchcast. So Tish, before we hop in and talk about some of the research and riff about the challenges facing higher education and admissions counselors and their time and all the stuff we're going to talk about, I'd love for you to give a little bit about your background for people who might be meeting you for the first time. Feel free to talk a little about your podcast and also, of course, the work that Enroll in Mel does. Yeah, we're doing some really cool stuff on studying how colleges are actually recruiting a class. So I'm excited to talk about that. In part because of the background that I had that landed me at Enroll in Mel. So Gil, as you know, you were there every step of the way. I worked with you at every institution that I was at, but I started in admissions back at Lawrence University in Appleton, Wisconsin, and quickly found a niche for myself in the office doing like the social media adjacent to his stuff. In fact, this is a fun story. How I first got connected with Zinch, I had seen it with a more than a test score sticker, and I didn't know how the vendors worked in higher ed at the time. So I just went to Zinch.com and tried to create a college account to poke around and see what it was like. And my director got a call of like, oh, you all are interested in Zinch. Let's talk about that. So that was fun. <laughs> For those who are watching this podcast on our YouTube channel, I'm holding in my hand one of the, and it's messed up on my green screen a little bit because it is yeah. great. But it says the Zinch button of I am more than a test score. I still keep it on my desk right in front of my face as a reminder yeah. of all those great <laughs> times. So... Continue. Now that outreach did actually land Zinch a contract with that institution because we, we went with it. But as Lawrence, I was really kind of focusing on student outreach, communication, social media. Ended up as director, then dean of admissions and financial aid at Northland College at the, the very top of Wisconsin before becoming vice president of enrollment at Carroll University back down on the Southeast end and had one semester as the interim dean of admissions at DePaul University in Indiana. Everything else was in Wisconsin. I jumped over to Enroll ML just about a year ago because the software seemed, when I saw it, we were getting pitched for it at DePauk. When I saw it, it just answered the biggest challenge I regularly had managing admissions counselors, which was how do we direct them to the right students to talk to on any given day? And in that, and kind of guiding through that, led us to take on this research study that we're going to talk about today. Awesome. And you run a podcast as well. We'll put a link the episode notes to your podcast, but listeners do not go switch podcasts midstream because we've got a great conversation plan. Tell us about the admissions director's lunch cast. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's a passion project for us. We finished five seasons, eight episodes per season. In July, we're going to drop some of the extended interviews from our last season, but we'll launch again with season six in September. Each episode, we take one topic related specifically to admissions directors, right? And we bring on a school or independent counselor and then a college admissions professional to kind of dissect the topic from both perspectives. So Nathan and I, we have a great time. Nathan's the co-host with me. And I just look forward to the conversations every time they happen. I think podcasting is becoming a lot of folks' ways to geek out and have nerdy conversations about enrollment-related topics. 
And Let me tell you, they are nerdy conversations. They, they, get, they get into the weeds. So yeah. But nothing wrong with that, right? I told you before we started the recording that part of the passion for me in enrollment management is having these types of conversations and being the host of this podcast is a privilege to me because it's the same type of opportunity where you just get to have very interesting conversations with a wide variety of people. And you said I had to record it. I said you are one of by far the most well-rounded and authentic guests that we're having as a part of our season this year with FYI. So appreciate you taking the time today. So, all right, let's dive in. So one of the reasons why I had reached out to you and said, we got to get you on the pod was Mm -hmm. we're dropping nuggets of data specifically around efficiencies of admissions counselors time. And I think that's something Mm -hmm. that a lot of people, we always talk about and have the challenge with, you know, how are we, you mentioned, you know, enroll ML's focus is making sure that your counselors are calling on the right students at the right time. And that's good marketing and good recruitment is the right time with the right message from the right sender. That'll be a great channel, right? And that's a lot of rights to get right. But if you can, that's how you hit your enrollment targets and you don't burn out your team. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about the yield process time study, what you've been working on. And then we're just going to spend 20, 30 minutes talking about individual data points to help people go to their bosses and say, hey, we need to stop doing this and start doing this. That's great. And it's important to your listeners to know or viewers on YouTube, like there are tangible tips from this that you can take away and implement in your office immediately, right? So obviously EnrollML helps colleges with this, but this is not a pitch. Like you don't have to use EnrollML to do this. But the reason we did the time study to begin with, our software really focuses in on the middle of the funnel where yield leaks out from admissions processes. So there are plenty of folks talking at the top of the funnel or even mm-hmm. at the bottom of the funnel. That's fine. That's not what we are. Instead, we use artificial intelligence and gamification to guide admissions counselors to the exact students where the outreach can make a difference today, every day. And because that's what we do, we really wanted to dig in and make sure we understood what is happening on college campuses in admissions offices when recruiting students. So I always like to say soon after I arrived, Gil, you know what this is like, right? I was the resident like admissions expert on the team, right? Like I just left a college campus. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions they asked me, they said in a team meeting, they said, Teach, you know, when you were on campus, how did you yield the class? Like, what did you actually do? And I answered, I reflect back on it now as though I was ambushed by that question at a board meeting or a faculty meeting, right? Like, just get out of it, right? I'm like, well, you know, through a wide variety of creative, effective mm-hmm. outreach. Yep. But we really backed down and we went through a process deconstruction and identified, I think, 44 distinct processes or steps that happen on every college campus every year to yield a class. Okay? And then we've been doing a qualitative research project with admissions leaders, interviewing them and asking them step by step, how much time does this take? How much time does that take? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And the results are concerning in some ways reaffirming in in other ways. Mm -hmm. But what really jumped out to me and what I have been sharing the most about is how this job has accidentally changed for admissions counselors or the negative. So of course, the great resignation impacted everyone all over. Yes, Mm -hmm. right? It does feel that it's deeper and longer lasting for admissions counselors. And when I was going through this yield study, it seemed to me that we came across part of the reason why. And that's what I'm sharing. That's what you've been seeing as I put out there. And I think there's things we can do to make things better. Yeah. And it's interesting because I was talking with 
a colleague yesterday about efficiencies on campuses and leadership positions and counselor positions. And on one hand, there's this perspective of, well, we don't have enough people to get everything done. But on the other hand, you don't need to get everything done. You need to get the right things done. And we've been saying this for years, right? Like we talked about the Zinch button that's on my desk, right? You and I have been talking about this type of, of mm-hmm. you know, being more efficient with our time and identifying the right prospects and recruiting the right prospects. And the methods for doing that have evolved and gotten ideally better and better since even back then. But the practices of actually being more efficient, and I'll throw one item out there that I harp on pretty regularly, but the fact that I've been doing this for so long and I'm still harping on it is either I'm wrong or there's just a problem that's just not solvable. That's spending time, like having admissions count and pursuing every interaction, quote unquote, every interaction opportunity. And you can't convince me that sending an admissions counselor to every single high school in the state of New Jersey and making a stop Mm. in cafeteria during lunch is an effective use of their time as it was 30 years ago, maybe, but it's not now. Doctors stop making home visits. Admissions counselors are doing all of that travel, but then they also expected to read applications. They're also expected to be on the evening programs. And that's what drives that great resignation challenge, the quiet quitting issue. And we naturally draw people into this profession who are student-focused, are part of a higher calling. And so they put up with more BS, right? Because they care about the students. They want them to be successful. It's like running a volunteer organization, right? Mm -hmm. But this isn't a volunteer organization. This is a job. And we need to be more focused in our efforts. Otherwise, we're going to continue to lose people. So I would love for you to kind of share some high-level nuggets that's done things that people can kind of take away. And we'll put timestamps in the speaker notes so that people can jump around to the right pieces. But what can people take from you today that they can implement tomorrow, right away? Yeah. You know, I want to put a pin, Gil, in what you said about the type of people that are attracted to this profession. They're student-focused. They have their own mission, access mission, I believe, by and large, right? But they are energetic, outgoing, enigmatic people that like talking with students. What our core thesis has been as we've been doing the time study, there's three elements. First, the job has accidentally and slowly changed over the last 20 years, right? So before that, high school visits mattered more, but it's the onset, not just of the internet, but really the modern CRM and the accumulation of more and more massive amounts of data on every college campus. So that's what I think is leading to the change. Additionally, colleges need to increase enrollment, but there's no more magic beans or magic leads to increase enrollment. I take its table stakes that everybody has tapped out their search strategy, right? And then finally, discounting dollars are tapped out and counselor resources are tapped out, despite the fact that institutions still need to grow enrollment, right? So like, that's the buying. And every year, and I understand why we do this. I did this myself. Every year we try to grow our applicant pool, but we don't grow our admissions counselor pool at the same ratio, right? It shrinks. It shrinks. And so every year we're making this problem of too many students for counselors to connect with. We make it worse. And just to add insult to injury, we send out celebratory press releases when we've made that problem worse, right? Again, I say that with no judgment. I sent those press releases out myself. I know why we're doing it, but this is the core problem. We've grown the applicant pools too large and we've created a situation where out of necessity, admissions directors and admissions counselors must become really good at identifying the right students. And they can only do that through the data, okay? So there are three key findings that I would highlight in a short conversation. One, 
When surveyed, admissions leaders self-reported a total of 48.7 hours on average every year that they had to spend recycling, reanalyzing, and recreating their data modeling system for the year, that internal stuff. So this is not what their discounting vendor or search vendors are doing. This is them just saying probably in August, maybe July, what just happened? What was the signals that we missed and how do we monitor them going forward? So essentially a full week of work every year. Okay. The other thing, and this was interesting, the range was between about 25 to about 50% of tasks all year long for admissions leaders was just spent on monitoring and reporting the class throughout the cycle. That's not improving the class. That's not changing the class, right? That's just measuring and reporting. Now, you're fair to say you must measure and report before you change, of course. But I think what surprised me is how much time in the time study we could pinpoint and say, all you're doing is measuring. And I don't think anybody expected, I certainly didn't expect, I'll say that. I didn't expect it to be such a large portion of time every year. But the biggest thing, and this is what I think has lessons for staff morale, and this is where I have tangible tips immediately. We measured self-reported data from admissions leaders on average 657 hours per year per admissions counselor is spent data mining in the CRM. Now, these are people, as you mentioned, they're student focused. Yep. And we've said each year, I think this number has kind of ticked up a little bit. Spend more time in front of your computer screen. Spend more time getting comfortable with Excel, building queries, et cetera. So here's how this number came to be. Because every time I reflect this number back at a leader during one of these surveys, it's met with a little bit of like, that can't be right. Let's go back, right? So I asked the series of four questions, okay? So again, an assumption I have, which I verify with everybody, I assume before your admissions counselor talks to the student, you want them to review the CRM record so they know what to talk about, right? Okay. Nobody said no yet. If any of your listeners would say no, I would like to talk to them. By the way, I'd love for anyone listening to this to be part of this time study. I love these conversations. Okay, so before talking to any student, review the CRM record. So first question, how long does it take a counselor to go to your CRM and identify the major markers towards enrollment? So think the things you're going to report to the board, FAFSA, visit, admitted, application, et cetera. These things are usually surfaced on your dashboard because you know they're important. And the average has been about one minute. It takes about a minute to find the students in the CRM and identify mm-hmm. those people. One minute. Then I say, what about the smaller markers? Did they come to a high school visit? When they came on campus, what was their itinerary? Did they show up? Have they been doing other things? Did they receive their financial aid package? Have they logged into their student portal, et cetera? So these smaller things that we know are important, but are probably not surfaced as cleanly, how long does that take? And that the average has been closer to about two minutes. Fine. The third question, how long does it take in your CRM for counselors to go through and understand the communication patterns and history that the student has been having? What have the emails said? What were the interview notes? What are they asking questions about? What web pages are they going to, et cetera? And that wider range of answers, but again, about two minutes on average is what we said. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we get to five minutes per outreach. And then I ask the question, and how many students per day do you expect your counselors to connect with? Now, huge range of answers there. I won't put anyone out. I've heard from 10 to 60. That's the range. But most are landing on that 20 to 30 range. Mm-hmm. So this is every outreach from proactive phone calls to responding to an email where a question comes in, you want to review the CRM record before you answer, right? So on average, 25, we'll go with that. You multiply that by five minutes per student, 25 times a day, you get to two and a half hours. 
And that's just, that's just the time spent going through the CRM record before they actually talk to students. In 657 hours, haven't talked to a student, hasn't pulled a query, yep. doesn't have a strong understanding about what the web activity means. It's just reviewing it before the outreach. And so this is where I think like, how did this happen, right? I was at a Wisconsin ACAC conference a couple of weeks ago, and there was a presentation, a, a recently retired guy, Perry Robinson said, when he started in this profession, it was low tech, high touch. And what has slowly happened over a generation is the profession has become high tech, low touch, but we're not changing who we hire. We're still hiring yep. people that want to talk with students. And so we're getting them that want to talk to students, drive futures, impact students' lives. And we're saying, great, that's how we draw them in. And then we put them behind a computer screen and tell them, now you've got to figure out how to do more and more in Excel and in the CRM. And I think we need to make changes there. I think that's the biggest shift that I, I think we need to find a way to do. Yeah, it's interesting to go back to my days when I was at NRCCUA before they became Encora, right? And yeah. they, at the search process, like you said, table stakes yep. that institutions are buying yep. names and they're building a search plan, right? You can have decades of conversations about good search plan, bad search plan, effectiveness of different channels, et cetera. At the end of the day, you're getting your lists somehow, some way, right? And so we were advocating then that you need to dedicate a member of your staff to be your enrollment data analyst, right? Yeah. That's a different skill than being mm -hmm. the admissions counselor that's going and traveling and talking to people at schools. And it's just like, you know, which people on your team you can put up on the stage in front of everyone at open house and yes. they'll talk to 50,000 people, a hundred people, however big your institution is. And you know, the people who you would not do that with based yep. on their stage presence, based on the, how they articulate themselves. And this is the same type of a conversation. It's a different skill set to evaluate data and review data than it is to talk to people and you know, yep. do whatever personality assessment that you want, right? There's, you know, <laughs> and maybe you do that as part of your team is part of your onboarding process. Pick your personality assessment du jour, have them do it. And then you kind of know where we were doing that at a past company I was at recently is then everybody knows how to work with people, how to talk to people and what to ask them to help you with and what not to ask them to help you with because it's just a different set of skills. And I think that when you're asking people who want to be in front of families talking to people to sit in front of a screen and look at numbers all day, that's going to drive them away much faster than anything else, right? Yeah. And, and that's what's happening because I mean, think through, I mean, I would encourage everyone listening, think through your hiring process. Are you telling folks that this is a tech job, at least half and half, right? Are you thinking through like one of the things that you should be excited about is going through a spreadsheet and finding secret markers of interest? Probably not. But then we ask them to do that because we want them to have autonomy. And maybe the question is, you pick which high schools to go to in your territory. You've been here for a few years. Well, then they've got to start getting comfortable with queries. They have to start mm -hmm. understanding the relationships between markers. They better understand correlation does not equal causation. I think that's a whole whole real challenge when you ask admissions counselors to go into the data. Mm -hmm. And I think this goes down to, and honestly, some of the stuff that Mongoose has been talking about recently. Yeah. To plug the sponsor, they've been talking a lot about how, I feel like for a lot of us, we've relied on the CRM for mm -hmm. personalization, quote unquote, right? And personalization yep. in a CRM alone is dear first name, right? Yes. They're becoming more sophisticated and there's platforms out there that are helping with data analysis and modeling and real time, you know, and obviously with chat GPT and with the proliferation of these other tools, the ability to mass personalize is getting faster and faster and faster. 
And the reality is that the human element is the piece that the humans can do, right? And we have been around long enough where we were there when Facebook was new in the admission process. We've been there for Snapchat. We've been there for Instagram. We've been there for text messaging, right? And at every time one of these channels was added into the process, the human element never went away. It's mm-hmm. the way in which those connections are made and the value of those connections that has changed. And the human piece can't be at every phase of the funnel or every prospect in the funnel. It has to be for the right prospects in the funnel at the right time. And I think mm-hmm. that this is the type of research that helps people to ideally understand that you can't expect our staff to work 24-7, 365, and you don't want them to, right? You want to value your people and value their time and get the right students to your institution, which I think is something that we all are looking to do. Correct. I mean, our company is a data science company. So we pull all the CRM data, we identify the the indicators of a student likely to enroll, right? And I am a humanities major myself, women's studies. So that's about as deep as I get into that process. But we pull out the most significant markers they're not what I was measuring, right? I'm always surprised at some of the things that aren't on the list. But when we build our process for the major stages, FAFSA, visit, admit, we shouldn't be surprised when students who are only vaguely interested go through the motions and do those things, right? And when you make the mistake of just doing correlation must equal causation, so FAFSA must be more likely to enroll, you're missing a lot. And what we've been able to kind of suss out, and this is one of the tangible tips, is find a way to identify the student behaviors that they aren't doing performatively, right? They're not submitting the FAFSA because they don't want to miss that step. But instead, can you identify web engagement patterns or quantities of website visits or email engagements, et cetera, that is meaningful? And we're able to get to it to the level of like, in March, this is what we need to see from your students, et cetera. But when we do that, we can break out for a counselor's entire admit pool. And this is what we do daily. But admissions offices should come up with a system to identify the students that are already sold, even if they don't have the deposit, right? And stop spending the time-intensive effort of a counselor to recruit those students. You need to monitor them and keep them moving, but set them aside. But the biggest time savings where you can cut that 657 hours in half is at least half of an admit pool is not interested and they're not coming. They're not seriously considering your interest. Right. We need to find a way to let them go, right? And that's counter to two people. I think admissions directors are hesitant because until you're sure that you got the data right, that's a risky proposition. And I think counterintuitively, a lot of admissions counselors are hesitant to do that, even if they had permission to do that. Because the access mission, like they feel like, am I leaving someone behind who doesn't know that they're supposed to do this thing? Which is why when you can focus your analysis on specific student behaviors, what I can now go do is look at an institution's data and say, you're not leaving the student behind. They are asking you to leave them alone and, and just back off. Give them opportunities to change their mind and raise their hand and then react, right? And we've got a system for that. But when a college can do that, cut off the bottom half of the uninterested admits that you have. Let the top 10, 15, 20% of students who are ready to move in, if you would let them move in March, right? Yep. And focus on the middle. That's where you can turn a few more students out of your applicant pool from a maybe to a yes. I always, every year when I had a territory, there'd be a few students at the end who would deposit and I had no idea who they were, right? I was like, I don't know why Devin deposited. I don't know what he's interested in this school for, but great. And I 
my first year or two, I would get excited like this is a bonus student. But as I moved into leadership, I started to realize like, oh my goodness, if I had three students that did that, I probably had three more that were at that point and they decided to go to my competition. And they, those surprise deposits I started to realize represented lost potential. And that's what colleges need to zero in on. Counselors will make calls to students if they're the right students. Students will answer the phone if it's the right college Correct. calling, yep. right? When you just have your counselors calling their whole admit pool, that's when they get hung up on, they get no answers, the conversations are short. And then admissions counselors deliver one of what I think is the biggest fallacies in our profession, which is students don't want to talk on the phone, which is the reality. Those students don't want to talk to you on the phone. They'll talk to someone else, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where we need to get to. And it will improve morale and will improve yield. And I actually think it'll improve student outcomes because we'll better match students for the right college. Yeah. The challenge from leadership is when they give that list of a thousand students to call or they give that list of high schools to visit and or whatever, they always focus on that example of the one, right? Yeah. Oh, we got in touch with that one student who was a great conversation that makes the entire effort worth it. It's like, yeah. but how many bridges did you burn in that process with bad interactions and bad phone calls because the counselor was burned out from being hung up on or yelled at by a mom when they pick up the phone, whatever. And then they had bad interactions with those middle ground students who were open to a call, but the energy wasn't there, right? And so yep. we can focus our efforts on those sorts of pieces. It's important. And then the other thing I want to add to that whole thought about letting, like, let's say if you knew in a perfect world, the exact half of students that you admitted that weren't going to enroll, imagine if you stopped sending them follow-up letters, you stopped sending them, you know, postcards and swag and invitations, mm -hmm. the printing and the posted budget for that half alone could be deployed to yep. other better things on those middle ground students that you're trying to sway. And that's something we talk about all the time. We never actually get to, which is take the resource. And that's honestly, that's what COVID did during the height of that is everybody couldn't travel. And so they dumped all their travel budget into X messaging, into AI, into virtual events, into better proactive outreach. I saw admitted student kits, these nice, you know, branded boxes yeah. and that sort of stuff. And that's all stuff they couldn't do before because you had your money spent on all this other stuff. And when that went away, you had to do other things better. Right. And so mm -hmm. I think we have to get to that type of mindset with stop doing the same level of effort for all streams and really focus efforts on those middle ground areas that you're going to actually make changes. So we could do our own separate podcast just on this content forever. But I want to give you a moment to help everyone understand how to stay in touch with you. Yep. Again, you know how to connect with your podcast, how to connect with Enroll ML, and then we'll take it home from there. Yeah, sure. I, we'd love to talk to anyone. EnrollML.com is our website. You can see my contact information there. Search the admissions director's lunchcast anywhere you would like. But if this conversation was interesting and you want to dig deeper, on May 30th, we did a webinar with a, a director of recruitment where we dug even deeper in how she was manipulating or managing the counselor time after going through this time study. And you can reach out to me to get that link. I will happily get you the website too. Awesome. And Tej is also very active on the LinkedIn machine. So get in touch from there. Great follow, great person to comment on content. And so thank you so much, Tej, again, for taking the time today. And to our listeners, thank you for hanging with us on what I hope and feel is a very compelling conversation. And hopefully you share us with your boss so that they hear this conversation. So thank you again. And we will see you next time on FYI. Bye-bye.